Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tringale, and in this week's episode, my guest is Noah Fiaki from Amato. Well, I'm thrilled to have Noah on the podcast. Uh, back when we did Conversation at the Palace, I had Noah and his brother and his dad on an episode then, and so I'm just really excited to have him one-on-one now uh, for this week's episode. I've been a huge fan you know, if if you listen to Eat Local New York's podcast, if you follow us on social media, you know that Amano is my favorite restaurant in Syracuse, and I've been a big fan of Noah and the pizza that he makes for quite a while. Uh, so I'm thrilled to have him on the show and, uh, yeah, just get his perspective on food and pizza and Syracuse and ingredients, and it's a great little conversation. Um, I'm not going to spend too much time in this intro. I really want to get into this conversation. And uh, so that's that's it. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Noah Fiaki. I don't go there nearly as often as I should to get pho anywhere. But um, especially there, and every, every time I go, I'm like, oh, I want, I was like, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to get the tendon, you know, in there. And then I immediately fucking regret it. That's Lauren's gig. <laughs> she gets all of it. The tendon, yeah. the tripe, the meatballs, everything. Yeah. I want all that shit in there. I just want, just give me a little bit of beef and I'm good to go. <laughs> yeah. I want to taste the soup and nice, nice. But yeah. I would equivalent to like, people say that uh, like matzo ball soup is Jewish penicillin. <laughs> <laughs> like my dad was sick the other day. My mom made chicken soup and. Nine out of ten times, I'll take a bowl of pho over all that. Yeah. All of all, all. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't been. I think we went over in the fall maybe or maybe over the summer. I forget, but it's been a while. It's been a minute. I just went down to Kai Dune the other day for the first time in a while. You know, yeah. banh mi's are great. I go all the time to yeah. get coffee, and I'm not a big banh mi'er because I don't like um, – like I'm not big on pickled vegetables. Mm. I know it's like a – you know, like what the hell's the matter with you, but I just – it's just not my thing. Yeah. But Alex and Lauren love banh mi. So I go get coffee and then I brought them a couple the other day. Yeah. And I, Saturday's snack day. Mm. If I don't bring snacks on Saturday, <laughs> there's a problem. I hear about it. <laughs> so I try to break it up because I go to Deloro's in the morning to pick up the sesame bread. So I either get pizza mm-hmm. from there or Deluna's or Calzone's. Yeah. Or across the street, I'll get some empanadas and stuff like that and, and bring that. Or kaiju in there but yeah yeah i gotta bring snacks on saturday yeah that um the deloros the calzones are freaking money oh yeah i'm a deluna guy oh really the slice of sausage pizza yeah i would i would argue is one of the best slices of pizza in town really yeah and i mean that like down to my core like there's something about it yeah i I don't know what it is and i know all the stuff (laughs) he uses and nothing's fantastic on there but there's something about that slice of pizza that's just awesome yeah take it home get a little extra crispy yeah yeah huh. it's kick-ass there really is something about shitty food not oh. saying that the Dolores is the shittiest but there's something about shitty food like you can try and make the most incredible slice of pizza use organic local flour you know flour that you mill yourself and make your own cheese and all that kind of stuff and that's equally delicious but there's still something about just like the shittiest piece of something I think it's like a necessary hug. Yeah. Like, 
shitty food in general has like has like a like a place mm-hmm. and like even like people are like you go to mcdonald's or you go to taco bell yeah. or you go to domino's and all this stuff and i'm like yeah like you make pizza like why would you eat domino's like right. it's disgusting <laughs> it's like listen first of all i make pizza for 10 hours a day <laughs> i'm not eating it i promise second of all i don't want to cook anymore i yeah. just want to go and just stuff my face until i feel like i'm gonna throw up yeah and just be happy and gross and get lava cakes and get Domino's (laughs) pizza and just eat it. You don't like, you don't like eating your own pizza that often. No, I don't eat my own pizza ever. Seriously? Almost ever. I'll make, so when we were getting ready to open, I had, we made, I mean, for three months straight, we made pizza times like six every day. (laughs) So like there was, and each one was different by like a gram of something. It was obnoxious. So, like, you're tasting, like, margarita pizzas. A lot of times we just throw sauce on it just to just do it. And you're tasting it, and you're tasting it, and you're tasting it. And this goes on for months. Just to figure out the dough? Yeah, just to figure out the dough and what you want to do with it and stuff like that. And you ate it so much. And wood-fired pizza, I love making it. Mm. But it's not my favorite pizza to eat. Mm. Like, undoubtedly. Like, I'm a New York-style pizza kind of guy all day long. Like, thin and crispy, give it to me. I'll I'll take it. Yeah. but, you know, I'll, if we make a special, I'll obviously try that. Got to figure out what it needs and stuff like that. So, I've, you know, like I'm eating like a pizza every couple of weeks, mm-hmm. whether it be a pizza or a calzone <laughs> or whatever the hell I came up with or we, or we figured out together. And I just, yeah. it, gets, it gets old. You yeah. eat it and taste it and look at it all day. You don't want to eat it. Yeah, you for sure. Yeah, I can get, th- I mean, I get that a little bit. We were, when I was, tr- when we were doing through and fried, we spent, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out the best breading and, you know, you know, what's the wet, what's the dry, how is it seasoned, is it brined, is it not brined, if it's brined, what's it brined in, and, you know, breast versus thigh and, you know, all that kind of stuff, trying to really narrow it down. And when we opened, I thought it was great, but I still, like, from after the first week, I was like, there's still something we could do that's a lot better than this. I just don't know what it was. And then we just... Just, I think I just figured it out. Um, the chicken that we're putting out today, I think, is a thousand times better than it was really? three months ago. Yeah. But I get that. Like, for a while, you know, I would eat a chicken sandwich, and I was like, oh, this is making me sick. I can't eat this. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. Gets, it gets old. It's just yeah. constant, constant, constant. But you found something. You fixed it. Yeah. And then give it a month, and you'll find something else wrong with it. Yeah. Then, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. That's the way it goes. Yeah. You're your own worst critic. Yeah, it's right right now. It's like I think we've got it down. We're using the same chicken breast, but before we were just taking it, going straight dry, wet, dry. But um, so the double batter was really or double, you know, was really fucking us up because the breading was falling off on yeah. a lot of them, and it was just too big. It tasted fine, but it was just too big. Um, now what we're doing is we're and there's just the cost of eggs because we were the wet was egg dip, and so it was just too expensive. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that it was too expensive. I saw the cost. I was just sitting down with Renzi, and I, like, looked at eggs, the cost of liquid eggs, and then right underneath that was buttermilk. I was like, that's the price difference? It's, like, you know, 80% cheaper. Oh, yeah. Classic anyway. It works. Yeah. And he was like, yep. It was like, okay, fuck liquid <laughs> eggs. We're going to get buttermilk this week and see what happens. And it works a thousand times better. 
Oh yeah, buttermilk, 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 buttermilk fried chicken's good. Yeah. And the double breading has its place. I don't know. It it is one of those tricky things where if if you do it, it can be too thick and it can fall. It, it actually helps it fall off because it's so thick. Yeah. Um, sometimes you could do like different size breadcrumbs. Yeah. Like if I was gonna make like a like a souple or something, mm. I'd bread it in like fine breadcrumbs and then go back in the egg and then come back into like thicker breadcrumbs, mm. which which work which works out sometimes. But yeah. Now, so I think we've got it down. The chicken small. The chicken piece is smaller than it was before we switched buns to a martin's roll and now i'm like hey, martin's sesame no just martin's potato all right now i'm like hey this is a good fucking chicken sandwich um i'd stack the one up today against anything out there uh all right i'll have I, to get another one yeah and i haven't gotten tired of it yet <laughs> um it's only you know it's been about a month i haven't been eating them that much but you know but yeah i, I get that it's after a while it's it's like splitting hairs you know it can always be better question is do you want it to be yeah right you know yeah you figure out you know what it needs at the time and if you should worry about it later or work out it on the side and stuff like that yeah all right so what's your what's some of your favorite pizza in the city my favorite pizza um well i already said deloro's and i that's that's up there it's mm. definitely up there um this is a tough question <laughs> i'm a slice guy myself I hmm. like down to my core. I think that pizza should be eaten by the slice, with the exception <laughs> of obviously like personal size pizzas. But yeah, like I think if you take a pizza, like a whole sixteen inch pizza, out of the oven and cut it and eat a slice, it is in no way, shape, or form going to be the same as if you put a slice of pizza in the oven. Even For sure, even an hour, <coughs> even an hour yeah. later. Um, Pavone's on Bridge Street. Mm. I find myself there a lot. Okay. Um. And it's one of those hit or miss things too. Like sometimes, like you know, the crust will be a little tough or the pizza. Yeah. You know everything. Yeah. Is hit or miss, but um, I find myself at Pavone's on Bridge Street. Uh, Pavone's and Manlius, I find to be good. Mm. Um, I don't think I've been to that one. Avicoli's Coal Fire. Um, is that good? Yeah, it is. It is really good. Um, I mean, I like Avicoli's pizza. I grew up eating it. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about that. You guys are, you know, um, but not like, that's the reason. But you know, you like it. No, but yeah. I would find like Avicoli's coal fire. I think <clears> is is pars above Avicoli's in Liverpool. Hmm. Um, they do a really good job. Is it real? Is it real? Like, I mean, it's coal fire, but it's not like New Haven style, right? It's just coal no. Fire. It's not, and I don't think they pretend to be either. I think that they're, you know, they're Avicoli's pizza, and they stand by that, and it's just how they cook it different, and it actually works out pretty well. Like huh. the dough does good, and, and they do they use good stuff on there, and it is enjoyable. Yeah. Um, I also like trappers. I like trappers. really, I do. Um, I don't know if it's like a combination of things. Hmm. Which I think has like an effect on like when you eat pizza or yeah. just eat anything in general, like what you're eating with it or yeah, whatever. So like if you're eating French fries with it or their blue cheese is kick ass. I lo I love yeah. Trapper's blue cheese. Really? Um, Do they make it? Yeah, mm. and it's like I don't know if they put like a little bit of ranch powder in there and then like chunks of blue cheese or <laughs> what, but like it, it is it is really good. Um, uh, that's pretty funny. I uh, I mean I've definitely spent my my fair share of time arguing why Nick's tomato pie is the best pizza in the world at one in the morning to an Uber driver. Uh, <laughs> so um, I've had those conversations. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Pizza, uh, like you were saying, it can be hit, like you can go to the same place and it can be hit or miss, mm -hmm. you know, like not hit or miss where it's like the shittiest pizza you've ever had or the best pizza you've ever had. But there's just like, I don't know, there, there are days where it's off. I think ultimately it comes down to kind of like the feeling front behind the pizza, I think. 
you know, like like I said, Nick's tomato pie at one in the morning when you're you know half drunk. Right, it's the best fucking thing you've ever had in your life. Right, if you ate it at noon, you might not think so. Right, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We had it at noon. They they we we did a, a video. They did a uh, buffalo chicken bacon ranch pizza that we did a video with, and I don't know if it was because they were trying or what, but that thing was that was cooked to perfection. Really, that pizza was really really good. I think that's one of the things that separates. Like you asked me what my favorite pizza is, but I think a lot of people in this town have a really hard time. Just leaving the pizza in the goddamn oven. <laughs> like the amount of pizzas I eat that have like pale crust on them. Yeah, it's it's constant, and I don't know if it's you're busy and the oven's constantly open, or if you're running it fifty degrees lighter than you should, or then your oven will allow you. I don't know. Maybe it's twenty years old and it doesn't get up to six hundred. Yeah, or whatever the case may be. But I can't stand eating pale crusted pizza. Yeah, I think that's like when you mentioned it should be eaten by the slice. Depends on. If the if the pizza maker is thinking about how it's going to be sold when they cook it, because realist a slice that pie should be undercooked a little bit, knowing that it's going to be right. then overcooked again. Bit. Yeah, and I like OIP sometimes, and um, I think they do a good job for slices. I like stopping in, mm-hmm. you know, most of their stores for a slice. And there's sometimes where you'll go in there and it's like they have it down. But most of the time you go in there and you get that slice and it's like way overcooked. Yeah, which is frustrating in and of itself, you know, and then like that's like sometimes like people be like, oh, you're not eating the crust or why'd you leave the crust? Because I don't want to, I'm not here to eat a cracker. I'm here to eat pizza. (laughs) Like I ate the pizza part, but, you know, it it comes down to like this perfect science of getting it to put the pizza in the oven, watch it. When it starts to bubble a little bit and the crust is starting to go, take it out and give it to me. A lot of times I'll get pizza to go cold and I'll go home and heat it up or at work or whatever. Like Delaro's like, I'll put it in the oven or whatever. If I go home, I'll I'll turn the oven on 500. And that extra 10 minutes Hmm. is going to make a difference whether I enjoy my lunch or whether I love my lunch. Yeah, for sure. That's pretty interesting. So... you don't have a favorite style then of pizza, but you don't like eating your own. New York, New York yeah, style. New York style favorite. is your favorite. Okay, so that's right. You did say it. So, uh, I mean, hmm. so where do you where do you stand on just like wood fired pizza in general, like a toss and fire or a pizza, something like that? Like I'll enjoy it and I'll eat it and enjoy it, but it's not what I'm gonna go to. Yeah. Uh, when I was working at a pizza, I used to eat a lot of pizza, which is funny because like it's like the exact opposite now. Um, like, if we somebody messed up a pizza or somebody didn't like it, it ended up in the back. I'd be like, oh, let me go back. Especially if it was a salsicha. <laughs> I was a sucker for a salsicha. If that was back there, I was I was sneaking back there, and I was going to shove a slice in my mouth real quick. Um, it's good. Yeah. It's definitely good. Um, as somebody who makes it, I, I would say that I'm probably more, like, obsessed with, like, the art of actually cooking it mm-hmm. as opposed to making or eating it. Yeah. Um, like I can eat it and appreciate it. And like, I'll go, I've been, you know, all over the place eat, eating wood fired pizza and it, it's definitely tasty. Yeah. But it's just not, I don't know. It's one of those things where like, even my own, like I'll make it. And I like watch people after I send it out. That's part of why I love being out in the dining room. Yeah. Cause like Alex and Laura can't see anybody do anything. <laughs> I watch. If, if you put a bite in your food in your mouth, I'm probably watching you eat it. And I'm going to see if you liked it, if you smiled, especially if it's a special done by me or somebody else. Yeah. Oh, did they like that pasta? And then I'll go back there. Oh, they like it. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Um, yeah. But it's only good for a couple minutes. 
Yeah. You know, like, there's a window. You don't want to eat it right when it comes out because it's going to fall all over the place. All right. You don't want to wait 15 minutes because it's going to be soggy. Mm-hmm. So you have, like, this, like, eight-minute window where you're going to eat it. <laughs> um, but making it, I definitely appreciate making it better than I do eating it. Yeah. It's very romantic. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of, like, get caught in, like, trances like, yeah. while I make pizza. Like, oh, you really? know in the movies when they're trying to do something and, like, everything around you goes kind of fuzzy <laughs> and, like, that, like, white noise, like, that, like, ringing happens yeah. and they're, like, doing something. I find that, like, happening, like, in real life. <laughs> like, there'll be all kinds of noise, people screaming and yelling around me and asking me questions, and I'll just be like, <laughs> in my own little world, watching the fire, watching the pizza rise, yeah. watching the cheese bubble. But, huh. is that, was it like that from day one, or is that just more recently? Um, I would say that it comes in waves. Yeah. I would say that pretty much everything in my job comes in waves. Mm-hmm. I think cooking comes in waves period like if you if you sat back like as a customer as a consumer and carefully watched any chef or cook or whatever do what they do and watch like menus yeah like you can see them like get inspired by certain things yeah so like there'll be times where i'm in a rut and you know what yeah i'll make pizzas and and they're gonna they're gonna come out the same Mm. or close to it at least and i'll just be like you know in my own head or whatever and then there'll be times where i'm like enthralled by it yeah, and I'll be like watching every little move and every little thing, and oh, how can I make this better? And where can I put this? And why is this doing that? Hmm. Um, and I think that's food, like food period. Like if you want, like, like you said, Rich was doing the vinegars with yeah. the vegetables and stuff. Like he's doing that right now. In six months, he might not be doing that, but right. he might have got like a little bit of itch. That's like, <clears throat> you know, play with the vegetable juice, play with the vegetable juice. Yeah, and it's one of those things you don't you you work on it, you get the technique, and you put it in your toolbox. Yeah, you might not need it right now, but you might use it later. Right, so. Yeah, we've been, <clears throat> so like since the beginning of the year, I've, I'm now running the Limp Lizard up in North Syracuse and, you know, really trying to make the barbecue up there really, really good. And it's been fun. Uh, we've, we hired this guy that's just been like a dream come true, um, who worked at Dinosaur for like 10 years. So he knows, you know, a little bit, um, he knows that style of smoker cause that we use old hickory. So it's a gas assist. Okay. Um, which, you know, whatever, but, uh, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun uh, over the last five weeks, really trying to figure out how to properly smoke brisket and pork and ribs to get the stuff, you know, when to put it on, when to wrap it, when to take it out, what to do, how to trim it, all that kind of stuff. Cause I'm, I'm my, my experience is more from an offset smoker or even doing like a, you know, uh, Weber kettle and smoking it that way on charcoal and mm-hmm. wood chips. So, you know, with that, it's a, it's a lot different. It's, you know, with this, it's kind of turn it on and there's not too much you can play with. It's really just trying to perfect your, your trim, trying to perfect your timing of like when it gets wrapped, you knowing, you know, you know, when to wrap it, <clears throat> try not to dry it out, all that kind of stuff. And then, um, the smoke isn't too much of an effect up there. We've, We've made it better, but it's not as big of an effect as it would be on an offset. But I've got a note section on my phone that's just like, you know, if it was pages in a notebook, it'd just be pages deep of put it on at this time, position it here, put the water pan here, fill the water pan with, you know, vinegar this time and water this time and 40% this and, you know, and then put this many logs on and this arrangement and, you know. That's burnt. the most fun though, isn't it? It It is it's also a little maddening. <laughs> um, it's definitely maddening. You know, like you meant, like you asked about, you know, the kid earlier. 
you know, three months of now, you know, having a baby <laughs> and, um, perfectly timed with running a restaurant. Right. Exactly. So three months of having a baby and for the ma- last like month and a half, almost trying to perfect this, which, wait for that, which I think we finally, I finally have the timing figured out. I was trying to, uh, most barbecue joints in the Northeast, I'll phrase it that way to not get myself in trouble, um, aren't going to care too much, you know, like um, with the exception of one or two. But like in Texas, they're mostly smoking on offset smokers and they either have a massive team of people or that person who's doing it has dedicated their entire life to the art of smoking meat. Right. And so if you want to have fresh brisket for service on Tuesday, well, you have to be up all night Monday night, you know, tending that thing, tending your smoker in order to get that stuff out for Tuesday. Um, and so trying to get, trying to take it from, hey, we smoked the brisket Wednesday and it's being sold Friday to, hey, we smoked it Wednesday or Tuesday night and it's coming out Wednesday morning and it's fresh as can be, um, was it has been a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, I figured out that unless I do want to sacrifice my life or unless the restaurant wants to be unprofitable, uh, then we can't do that. If the <laughs> restaurant know? wants to be unprofitable, you could do amazing things. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah if you don't t- care time about Time doesn't matter, money doesn't matter, <laughs> labor doesn't matter, let's do it. What do you want to make? Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's the challenge. Um, so but so, so we, there, was a, there was like two weeks where it was <clears throat> me up there late at night you know, getting up there at like 8.30 at night to trim the briskets and get the smoker going and put everything on at 10. So that way then I can get back up there at like 4 or 5 in the morning to wrap them and, you know, get them ready. So that way then they come off at 11, sleep in my car for an hour or two in between there, stuff like that, to now we've, I think I've got it down. We just, unfortunately, we smoke for dinner service or for the next day. So I, I, I'll get up there early put everything on the smoker, you know, that's going to come out that night or the next morning or the next day, you know, it'll come off the smoker that night and either we'll serve it that night or it'll go on for the next day. But are you having fun? Now I am. (laughs) Now I am. Now that I'm not, you know, it was that those, there was two weeks there. I was like, first of all, first of all, the first full weekend in the kitchen of like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, bell to bell. And we did 50 cent wings on that Saturday, Sunday. So I was like elbow deep in fucking raw chicken wings. For 12 hours, I wanted to f- shoot myself. I was sitting there questioning every life decision I've ever made. Why the fuck am I 36 years old in the kitchen doing ch- working with chicken wings? Right See, now? and that's like I told you earlier that things come in waves. Yeah. And this business is wavy. Mm-hmm. Like there'll be days, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> Let me get out. Let me find something else to do. Yeah. Let me do corporate. Let right. me sell something. Right. Yeah. You make 150 grand a year selling something. Yeah. Right. Let me do that. I'll work half the hours. Yeah. I won't get dirty. All right. I'll be home by five o'clock every day. Yeah. Sounds pretty good to me. And then, you know, a week or two goes by and dust settles and you're like, no, this is like, this is heaven. This is like heavenly misery. Yeah. (laughs) Right. It really is. I mean, I was listening to, after bitching about it this past weekend, I was up there early Saturday listening to a Serious Eats podcast about pop-ups in New York City and like chefs who are doing it for love and all this kind of stuff. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, oh, I could do I could do a pop-up here in Syracuse. Let me let me figure out some cool thing to do a pop-up. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? 
you're sitting here at 6 a.m. trimming fucking brisket, tired as fuck, thinking about what the Concepts. hell. Yeah, right. And then now I'm now all of a sudden I'm like, oh, this is fun. Let's you know, it's it's very it's a dangerous, dangerous profession. It has to be just well guided. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as you start to get itchy and you start coming up with stuff, as long as it's well guided, it can be it can be it can be good for you. Yeah. You know, like in the middle of the night, I'll get I'll get excited about some some random shit. Yeah. And I'll like go on some deep dive and be <laughs> look at the clock and it's three thirty, four or five in the yeah. morning, and you're like, oh, just just keep going, just keep going. And then yeah. like in the morning, you wake up and like all that's gone, mm-hmm. and it's like. Mm. I was gonna get up and do. I had all this. I had all this motivation. I was gonna get up. I was. I was reading about Spinchone all night. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna make dough this morning. And then you get up and you, know, you slept like shit. So now it's 10:30. You're up and you're like, oh, I gotta go. And there goes the motivation. And now you have things you have to do and don't have enough time for that either. So yeah, that's so, pretty funny. So, so, see you later. And then it comes. It'll. It'll come back. So how do you keep that kind of motivation or excitement when you're making? You know, because it's challenging. You're making food that someone's about to eat. And so I've talked like to Steve Samuels about this before. You can't really have an off day because if you put out a shitty pizza, you know, or you put out a shitty whatever because you're having an off day that, you know, so how do you kind of stay motivated while you're making so many pies when you're, you know, it's not even something that you want to necessarily eat? I think it comes back to the art of doing it. Um, like, even if I don't like, like, think about like a painter, right? Like a painter doesn't get to eat his picture. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times he'll sell the picture mm-hmm. and it'll end up somewhere else and he'll never see the damn thing again. Yeah. Um, so I kind of look at it like in aspects of that. Uh, like I'm going to, I'm going to take a couple minutes and I'm going to make this, whether I want, whether I'm going to eat it or not, or whether I'm excited about how it tastes or not. I think you still have, now I know how all my ingredients taste, right? And mm-hmm. I think that's important for, for pizza period. Like. I say this, like, lightly, but anybody can pick a piece of dough up and make a circle and put it in an oven. Yeah. It's not. Right. It's not rocket science. Mm. I'm not a rocket scientist. <laughs> I, I, I'm just like I'm just a pizza guy. People yeah. ask me, "What do you do for a living?" Oh, I make pizza. And that that's pretty much all I say. What do you, What do you do? What do you do? What's your five year plan? And I go, "Um, <laughs> to make pizza." And they're like, "Really?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. I really enjoy it." Like. I uh my license plate says pizza. Does it? <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised that wasn't taken here in Syracuse. Uh all of New York State actually. Yeah. I really thought I was yeah, gonna go true. for battle. Um no, you know where I got the idea? <laughs> you remember when I won that Gerhardt's pizza yeah. competition? You guys gave me Dexter pizza cutters. Yeah. On the pizza cutter, I don't know if it was like a code like a code for the factory or what. It said P one. Seven seven A, <laughs> and I'm looking at it and I'm like, this has to be like, like a thing. So when I, so I got a new truck and I went to the DMV website and I typed in P one seven seven A and it was yeah. like available. I'm like, sweet, I'll take it. Sixty bucks, I'll take it. So I got an accident and the cop, he's like, hey, what, what does your license plate stand for? And I go, uh, pizza. And he goes, oh, that makes a lot of sense. He goes, why? I go, oh, I I make pizza for a living. And that was the end of it. But yeah, like it it comes down like to like I look at it in a way like I'm painting a picture. Mm-hmm. So let me make my canvas. Yeah. And then I gotta make sure I use good paint. Yeah. So if the mushrooms are roasted in the wood fired oven, no, that's gonna make my pizza better than if if you 
you know, just cooked them on the stove. Yeah. Like now I have elements of smoke and elements of smoked rosemary and thyme and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then they're going to get marinated in vinegar. And mm. it's different than like a pizza shop's going to open up a can of mushrooms. Yeah. You know, and the base for that pizza might be cream of mushroom soup. Yeah. I, I spent an hour and a half this morning making mushroom duck cell that I mounted with cream. Like, <laughs> you know, and so, like, make sure you're using good shit. Yeah. And then I know how all that stuff tastes. So I put it on the pizza, and then I put it in the oven, and then I just make sure you make sure you cook it right. And they're, it's going gonna, it's gonna to taste good, you know? Right. And so, like, yeah, there's days where it's not, like, the most exciting thing or days where you're getting your ass kicked and you want to bash your head against the wall, but... <laughs> yeah. But... Painters or, or writers or any so any art that you're right. gonna do, you're gonna hit walls. Yeah, and I think it's just a matter of just kind of like going around the walls or breaking through the walls and figuring out how you're gonna do it. Yeah, you think like a like a really stereotypical pizza shop in Syracuse could ever, you know, like a buy the slice or a Friday night, you know, pie joint. You think that they could ever, or you think they should have those elevated elements? With like wood fired mushrooms and you know stuff like the things that you're doing on pizza at Amano, right. but in a typical pizza shop world. I guess if they don't, I guess that's gonna be my job. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I don't. It's not difficult. I think it's a matter of just staying. You have to be passionate about it. Yeah, you know, like I don't look at it like I'm going to work every day. I'm, I mean, I, I mean, you do, right? Yeah. No matter what, it's work. People say, love, love what you do, and you'll never work a day in your life. That's bullshit. I mean, <laughs> listen, love what you do, and you'll have a good time. Yeah. You're still going to work. <laughs> There's still days you're not going to want to go to work. Yeah. Um, but if you're just passionate about it and you're excited about it, and food, period, it's simple. Yeah. Like I listen to a podcast called Gola mm-hmm. on um. It's all over the place, but it's Katie Parla, and she just got done writing The Joy of Pizza mm-hmm. with Dan Richard. Um, and her podcast is literally Italian food and beverage culture and history. Hmm. So her and this lady, Danielle Caligari, she's the uh, assistant professor of Italian at Dartmouth, hmm. and they do this podcast. Katie lives in Rome, and they go and they talk about what something is, why it's there, and why the Italians use it, when it got there, hmm. how it got there. I listened to a podcast the other day for an hour about rice. <laughs> just rice. Like, just rice, which was just, like, the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. And I think if you're, like, interested in food and how it got there and why it's there and why it tastes the way it does or why they eat it the way that they do, I think it's easy. Yeah. You know? Like, it shouldn't be – it shouldn't – Shouldn't you shouldn't wow people because you you know put a little bit of effort into something. So if as far as slices go, I think like my pizza in slice form and like larger form, I think it'd be kick ass. Yeah, you know. So if if nobody's gonna do it, <laughs> maybe I'll do it. <laughs> what is the um, life after Amano look like for you? Not necessarily your five-year plan but you know in the event that amano ever closes uh or ceases to exist what are you going to do after that make pizza <laughs> <laughs> um and what in which way no like, really uh, do, like if you could open up your own pizza shop today would it what would it look like would it look like a 
wood-fired spot? Would it look like a you know pizza by the slice spot? What do you think? If Amano closed tomorrow and you said, "Here's a bunch of money, go open a pizza shop," what would you open? I would buy a Pizza Master. What's that? Uh, it's like the new oven. Okay. It's the best oven you can buy. Mm. It takes Baker's Pride and Blodgett and all that. It just blows it out of the water. <laughs> it's made for pizza makers. Okay. It's not a bakery oven. It's a pizza maker oven. Gotcha. So it goes up to 932 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. It's gas? Electric. Oh, wow. wow. And it's all controlled, like, segment segmentally mm. so like you have like you can control if you want the top to be putting out 680 degrees you can do that and then you can have the bottom be putting out 500 wow so you can yeah. you can balance it all out how you want to cook your pizza um mm. but yeah if i could make if i could make now again i love making wood-fired pizza yeah there's something special about it i make pizza with only wood and stone mm -hmm. that's all that cooks my pizza yeah um and I like doing small personal pizzas. You know, I, it's fun. Everybody can, and you can have fun with it. And wood-fired pizza specifically, like, you can do funky shit. And people won't, like, look at you like you have 17 heads. Um, but, yeah, if I, could, if I could do it myself, I would do 18-inch pies out of a Pizza Master. Same shit I'm doing right now, though. Like you said, like, can somebody do it slice-wise? I want to do it slice-wise. Mm. Like, let me do big pizzas. You can come in for slices or you can take it home. Like, you should be able to... Order a large pizza and take it home and eat it, and it be the same pizza that you can come to Amano and get. Mm. You know, like yeah. there's no reason there's no reason you can't enjoy like a slice of pizza, even if it's cheese, right? Like even if you do cheese, maybe put some different cheeses on there. <laughs> Everybody and their mother uses just mozzarella. <laughs> mozzarella doesn't taste like anything. <laughs> Just get creative. Yeah. So yeah, if I if I had my way. Give me a pizza master <laughs> and a big old slice counter, and let's do it. <laughs> maybe some, maybe some uh, ice cream or something. Yeah. Would you do that in Syracuse? Um, yeah. Yeah. I unlike, I'd say the majority of Syracuse. I like it here. Yeah. Um, this is my home. Mm -hmm. Um, and people say, "Oh, you've never been anywhere, so you don't know what it's like." Listen. I'm a small town guy. <laughs> you could pay my rent and put me in New York City, and I'll say no, thank you. I appreciate the offer. Yeah. I uh, <laughs> too many people pick pick me up by the collar of my shirt and put me in the woods somewhere. Yeah. You know? So I get that here. Yeah. Um, and I like seasons. Mm -hmm. Unlike again the rest of the world, I like the snow. Yeah. I get excited. I like watching it. I ski. I ice fish. I do shit yeah. in the snow. So yes, Syracuse is my home, and I have no intention on leaving. Yeah, I love I, I love Syracuse to some aspects of it. Um, when I lived in Texas, the one thing that I felt like I noticed the most was there wasn't like he, back being back here. It was it was nothing to like go to a friend's and hang out for a night. You know, just be like, hey, you want to come over, or whatever. In Texas, you didn't really have that. If, if you were going over to somebody's house, it was like more of like an ordeal. You know. Mm -hmm. um, and so at least the part of Texas where I lived and, um, but you know, the grass is always greener. There's always things. If I could change one thing about Syracuse to make it more enjoyable, I would probably say it's the food, you know, like I love, I shit on, on Syracuse a lot in the podcast for our food and restaurants. And I think we do have great restaurants. Um, 
but we have a lot of shitty restaurants and a lot of restaurants that like skate by that people think are great. You know, like we just had, you know, we were saying Steven was just in here for the podcast and afterwards, well, there was a bunch of shit. I don't know if you saw the review from the Syracuse.com about Lacey's tapas bar. I did see that actually. And I was shocked. Wow. (laughs) I guess, I guess I was shocked because I've, sat back and watched Syracuse.com like openly say good things about absolute dog shit. Yeah. And then I see somewhere like Lacey's now, I, I don't know. I don't know the whole story. Or Have what you ever happened. been there? I went there years ago before okay. it was whatever. So yeah. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it's any good. I'm not going to sit here and say that the <laughs> review was wrong, you know, <laughs> but like I was just surprised that like for the first time ever, they went out of their way and like actually, I know. Shit talk something. Well, the benefit of that was that it was Danielle from who she does Wonderlust on a budget or now Wonder Cues. So while she's employed by Syracuse.com, she's not like a journalist for them so, sort of thing, you know. So mm-hmm. she's a freelancer. And Alicia from Syracuse Eating Club is also writing some stuff for them. And I recommended both of them for those jobs because specifically Alicia, I knew that she t- she'll sit, call bullshit bullshit. Now, some of I don't agree. I don't think that they. Uh, well, I don't know if I care. Um, I probably do care. I don't think either one. They have. They everybody has their own perspective and taste, right? So, at the end of the day, that is one of the things that does suck about food is that there is, it's not like math where it's like two plus two equals four. Sometimes you're going to have a different taste and palate than I am. So something's going to taste better to you than it will to me. And that's the case. Everybody's different. Having said that, I don't think Danny and Alicia really know a whole fuck ton about food. Um, And so I can look at her review of Lacey's and say, okay, on one, one hand, Danielle doesn't know She's not a food critic. Let's put it that way. On the other hand, Lacey's is dog shit. I got to be careful because they're on the local card, but I just did say the dog shit, so I can't be too fucking careful by saying that. Uh, (laughs) But Lacey's is dog shit. I mean, talk about, like, the epitome of cultural appropriation. I mean, it's a fucking tapas restaurant with no Latin, South American fucking food on the menu, and they have mac and cheese egg rolls and sliders. Mac and cheese egg rolls, Noah. Mac and fucking cheese. And they're not making them. It's not like it's gourmet mac and cheese that they wrap in their own egg roll fucking thing and then fry themselves. It is frozen fucking mac and cheese egg rolls that they put into a deep fryer and slice, put on a fucking plate, right? So it's dog shit. To to even write about them is stupid. (laughs) But at least they got it right and said that it wasn't good. Right. And I think maybe that it maybe it got lost, and maybe it was one of those things where like somebody came in and, and I think this is a, a big issue for people trying to start a business. Um, maybe it's one of those things where somebody came in and bought it and said, "This is what it is, and we're going to buy it for what it is, and then we're going to do what we want to do with it." Mm-hmm. Now it's nice because you bought a business that has a name already, right? right? So like it's easier than starting from scratch. Yeah. So you saved yourself there. Yeah. But if you're gonna if you're gonna you know, change the food, you're going to piss a lot of people off. Right. Right. Like if I bought Mario and saw those and tore the name off the building and started making my own pizza. Yeah. First of all, I just wasted a bunch of money buying Mario and Salvo's. Right. Second of all, you're going to piss a lot of people off. You know, like, yeah, it's a, if yeah. you're not going to make tapas, then either buy the laces sure. and take the loss and do your own thing 
or don't buy the Lacey's. Yeah. So that's actually a really interesting point. And it's something that a lot of fucking people are finding out about right now. So many restaurants are going out and so not as many are going out today as they were like four or five months ago, but there's a lot of restaurant owners that are trying to sell their restaurants right now, older generation. And what they're realizing is they don't fucking have anything. <laughs> like there's a place, I won't say the name of them, but restaurant for like 30 plus years here in Syracuse, they don't own the real estate. And that's really where it all comes down to. Mm-hmm. They don't own the real estate. They just have the name, the booths, the ovens, Right. that's it. And they're trying to get 150 grand. Now it's a, it's a restaurant that does about a million a year, you know, probably profits like 50 grand, whatever, after it pays the owners and everything. Um, they're trying to get 150,000 for it but it's not worth that much because they don't own the fucking dirt. Right. Like to just get the name and the concept, you could just wait for that restaurant to go out of business and then open up X, Y, Z right. or whatever. And probably have the same fucking thing. Is there some brand value in a name? Maybe. And to your point, yeah. What's the point of buying Lacey's if you're not going to do the exact same fucking thing? Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah, if you if you're gonna sell if you're gonna sell a business for a business, it better be a damn good business, right? You know, like you better have some nuts behind it. Like yes, you're you're selling, you know, whether it be recipes or the name that you built or the Instagram that you built or whatever. Like it's got to be worth something. Yeah. Nobody's gonna pay you a bunch of money for nothing, you're, right? They're, they're not gonna pay you two hundred grand to take your lease over if it's not worth it, right? I mean, if your restaurant is busy as balls and everybody loves it, and you say, oh yeah, I'll, you know, I'll pay two hundred thousand for that, and in five years it'll it'll pay itself off and yeah. And, and then you're just sitting there. Yeah. The thing is like, <clears throat> in a Lacey's it works because it's just frozen food. Um, I'm sure they do some stuff, but realistically it's just frozen food. Uh, a place like Amano, if you and Alex and Lauren aren't there, it's fucked. Like it doesn't matter. Somebody could go in there. You all could decide you're going out. Somebody could go in and buy Amano, keep the name, keep the menu, keep everything saying. It's still not going to be, Nobody's going to fucking care is the kind of the point. Now, you three aren't like the old school restaurant owner where it's like, hey, I'm, you know, we're the Fiakis and we fucking own a motto and da 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 da. Um, but people still know the food and the people that are making it. You know, it's not like the old school. You know, right. And if somebody dominance. came in and did that, would you be able to tell? I mean, I think it comes down to the palate of Syracuse. And I think that some people would and some people wouldn't. You yeah. know, like if we, if we stopped making our bone pasta and we sold a bunch of Lily's pasta. Mm-hmm. I'd say 60% of people would say, what What the fuck? Yeah. 40% would be like, I don't, what are you talking about? Right. W- what do you mean? This <laughs> is great. This is pasta. It's the same as it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, yeah, like if you, depending on what you're going to do, like you can, I mean, you can sell somebody your recipes too. Like you can yeah. say, listen, here's how it's going to be. You still need somebody to do it. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, that is, that's one of the things where it comes down to, it doesn't really matter the recipe as much as it matters the person. Absolutely, you know. and I could give you my recipe, and there's an old saying, it's like, teach them how to do it, and they still won't do it as good as you, right. and I mean, it's like, it's an arrogant saying, but it's true, like, I could give you my pizza recipe right now on a piece of paper off the top of my head, and you could go make it tomorrow, and I guarantee you it's not going to be the same, right? because it's not the same every day, yeah. I change it every single day, the dough that I made today is not the same as the dough that I made yesterday, there might be a couple grams of water different, Yeah, the temperature might be different. And I don't think people realize that. And I think that it's really important to understand. And I think it's, again, comes back to like the art of it. Like my mom's a big recipe follower, right? 
And mm-hmm. I mean, she makes some good, there's some good things she makes like that are kick ass that she doesn't use anything for. But a lot of time, like if she's going to make something she's not familiar with, she wants a piece of paper that says put an onion and a half in there or whatever the yeah. case be, right? Well, maybe the onion's bigger. Mm-hmm. Maybe the onion's smaller. And that's like up to the chef to decide. Yeah. Like if I'm going to make dough in the summer, it's 75 degrees in the basement yeah. with 80% humidity. All right, so that means there's more moisture in the air. There's more moisture in my flour. So I'm going to use 100 grams less flour than I'm going to use in March. And the temperature of the bowl is different. So I'm going to use more ice. So like in the winter, it's so cold down there. Our basement is 57 degrees Hmm. in the morning. (laughs) It's freezing. We wear hoodies all day. And that's where we do all of our pizza and pasta prep. (laughs) Like stoves are upstairs. The rest of the shit gets done in the basement. Yeah. So it's cold. So the bowl's cold. So I use less ice. The water coming out of the... It's going to take five minutes for the water to get hot, you Mm -hmm. know, because it's going through cold pipes. So the bowl's cold, so I'm going to use less ice, or maybe I'm not going to use ice at all. Maybe Mm -hmm. the water's cold enough. Well, in the summer when the bowl's warm and the air's warm, maybe I'm going to use a bunch of ice because when the dough mixes, the dough rubs up against the bowl and creates friction. Friction creates heat, so now you're warming your dough. And if your dough mixes at a different temperature than the day before, it's going to perform differently the next day. Yeah, And it's up to... The pizza maker or the chef, and this goes for all food, but the person to decide how are you going to go about that? Like if my dough is tighter because I use more ice because it was cold as shit yesterday or warm as shit, I'm going to pull my dough out maybe an hour and a half before. If my dough is three days old and it's starting to blow out, I'm not going to pull it out at all. I'll use it right out of the cooler because it's done its job. Yeah. And I think it's it's up to whoever's making it to understand that and know yeah. that. Like, oh, I need to add a handful of flour. Not even weigh it. Look at it. Mm, this needs this much flour. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not nearly the same to the same extent or importance as it is with pizza dough or pasta or anything like that, but still a little bit. But I've been, we're trying to, I'm trying to do breakfast tacos up at Limp Lizard. I'm going to start doing them on like weekends mm-hmm. and making the tortillas fresh with each order. And so I've been really trying to like figure out the tortillas. And um, yeah, I mean, each time that I do it, it's it's a little different. Are you know, corn tortillas? Uh, for right now, I don't know yet because I still, as simple as it sounds, I haven't got, I need to experiment with corn this weekend or this week. But um, I prefer flour mm-hmm. over corn. Unless it's a great corn tortilla. Um, at home, typically, I'll just buy the stack of corn tortillas at Wegmans, and then I just char them. Right, you right know. on the burner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and I like that, but I don't know. There's just something about, like, a fresh flour tortilla. Oh, you know? I get it. There's a place that Los Tacos, number one in New York City. They've got a few locations. But you go in there, you step up to the cashier, you place your order, they give you a ticket, and then there's a line of guys working, and you hand one of them the ticket for what you ordered, and they ask you flour or corn. Well, they've got two mounds of dough for each, and they pinch, and they'll be like, I need a corn, and they'll pinch it off and make the fucking tortilla right then and there. Yeah, that's sweet. And the flour tortilla was, like, so thin you could see through it, but it still holds up really I mean, it was just so... Um, <clears throat> I got the flour tortillas down. I mean, it's been, I used to make them, but it's been years since I've made them. Uh, but I had the flour tortillas down this past Saturday or Sunday morning. And, um, and now I just got to work on like practicing to get like the perfect shape every time. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you, are you using a press or a rolling pin or just a rolling pin? Um, so I just like this past time, a couple tricks that I learned were like, 
warm the lard up in your hands and then kind of coat the balls, you know, while they're resting each individual thing. So, so the way I did it this past weekend is I made the dough and then, you know, let it rest for a few minutes and then pinched off like the appropriate size and then put lard in my hands and let it warm up and then like covered the top of each and let that rest for a little bit. And then I just kind of form it into a disc in my hand, like dough a little bit, you Mm -hmm. know, before you start tossing it or whatever. And, um, and so I did that and then I just put it on the, once I had like a decent shape, I just kind of tried to roll it out. That's where I get fucked up where it's like trying to keep that perfect circle. You know, it's all jagged. It's like a perfect circle and there's like a point coming out of it. (laughs) So, but they're fucking good, man. Um, so I've just got to experiment a little with like, do I want to make them ahead of time and just keep them in like a towel on the line? Do I want to make them fresh to order? So, but yeah, I think, I don't know if I'm going to do it both Saturday and Sunday or just one day or the other, probably just one day or the other to start, but just doing, you know, three different breakfast tacos up there. Oh yeah. But the, 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 I like the, the days of the week thing. Like there's places that all over the country, obviously that just do like, oh, we do this on Thursdays Yeah, or like the old uh, blue tusk. We mm-hmm. do the sandwich on bonsai beef on Friday only. Yeah. And I think it allows you to focus on that. Like if you're going to do tacos on a Sunday, right. And you want to make flour tortillas and you you'd prefer to do them fresh. Yeah. It's a lot easier when you're only doing it one day. Yeah. You know, like this day, I'm going to go in at this time and we're just going to crank out flour. Even if it's that morning, like let's make 60 of them. Yeah. You know, and it makes a difference. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's not, you're not doing them on Monday. So if they don't last, then you throw them out. Yeah. And it's not a lot of money. You're talking about flour and water. Right. I would like this past Sunday, I just kept like, you know, I was practicing. So I made a couple in the morning and then just to, and once I had them down, I just let six sit covered on the, prep table on the back and at like lunchtime we just i made up some tortillas and i mean you just take a piece of brisket some pickled red onions barbecue or jalapenos barbecue sauce and a flour tortilla and it's it's and it's game over perfect. yeah so i might uh i might do like saturday's corn sunday's flour well, that'd be fun yeah so i don't know we'll see all right so if you could change anything about the food scene like snap your finger change one thing about the food scene restaurant scene here in syracuse what would you change I could change anything about the food scene. I mean, I think that, like, I mean, there's things I could tell you, like, oh, I'd do this different or do that different. And I think what it comes down to is, like, just lighting a fire under the rest of the city's ass. Honestly, though, like, like I can sit here and tell you, like, oh, like, I wish we had more of this or I wish we had more of that. I wish we had more passion. Yeah. Like, honestly, like, that's what it comes down to. Like, if you look at, you know, like, you had Rich on recently, or like if you look at like Alex and Lauren, or if you look at like Jared, like these people are passionate. Yeah. Like they're constantly learning, constantly. Like if you would came to the restaurant and followed us around with a camera all day, you'd be like, "What the fuck is wrong with you people? Like, why are you sprinting? Like, what are you doing? Well, I have to try. I have to try this. I have to try that. Because because you're you're hungry to learn and grow and try new things. You know, like. You asked me what kind of my favorite pizza was. There's like literally 50 different types of pizza. Mm. And the ones that are here are nothing compared to the ones that are in Italy. Yeah. You know, and like it just comes down to just making people, you just have curiosity, learn about it. You know, like whether it be briskets or barbecue or tacos or pizza or pasta or sandwiches or whatever the hell you make, be curious. Yeah. Find out why. Find out how and figure out why the rest of the world does it one way and 
if you want to take something from that and use it. Yeah. Like the only thing that's going to make Syracuse's food scene better is the people making the food. Yeah. I mean, you can argue all day long that like the customers decide, you know, like they they don't want and it's it's true to an extent. Like if nobody comes because they're stubborn and they think that over here tastes better even though it's dog shit. Right. Then I mean, obviously you need to make you need to make money and survive, but yeah. it's it's about finding a balance, you know, like when we came, we didn't we knew we were going to have a hard time getting the food that we make across. Mm-hmm. I think that was like a known factor for everybody involved. And you kind of ease people into it. You give them a little bit of what they want. You give them a little bit of what you want. And then you kind of play back and forth of that and, and find like a groove. Yeah. And then introduce things to people slowly. You know, try to send, send things out. I think there's a lack of hospitality around here too. Um, yeah. I mean, the hospitality at Amano is, you know, you know, one of the best in the city without question, you know, in central New York. Um, I've told the story often. It was like one of the first times Rebecca and I went to dinner at Amano. We didn't make reservations, and Alex, you know, saw us or whatever. I don't know. Maybe you saw us and said something to him. But when we were leaving, he walked up and shook, grabbed my hand. He was like, "Have you ever come back in my fucking restaurant without a reservation again? I'm gonna kill you." <laughs> he gets upset. Like I remember, Rich came one time and out, and he had left, and I was like, "Why the fuck didn't anybody like? Why didn't he tell me he was here?" Right. And I, I mean, you don't want to go somewhere and be like, "Hey, tell the chef I'm here." Yeah. Like, you don't want to be that arrogant prick who thinks they deserve the world. Right. But at the same time, I think it comes down to staff too. Like your staff needs to recognize people. Yeah. And that's your job to make sure that they do. Like if you come in. I mean, obviously, I'm out there, so it's different. But if you come in and I'm, God forbid, in the back or not there or something, I think it's up to my host who sat you. It's up to the server who served you. It's up to somebody to say, hey, listen, Anthony Tringali's out there at table 203, you know, just just so you know, chef. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that's important. Yeah. And it doesn't happen everywhere. And No. And I think, like, you know, taking care of people who take care of you is important. Taking care of people who are new is important, too. Like, if somebody comes in and, like, they're torn between something – whether I know them or not, maybe I'll send you something. Yeah. And, I mean, it's a little different because, like, it's it's ours, so, like, we have the ability to do that. Like, if I work for somebody else, I can't. It's not up to me to say if I can send somebody something. But I think that, like, that element of hospitality and making people, especially if it's something new. Right. Right? Like, somebody came in, and I had a pizza on special, and they are like, I don't, I don't like mushrooms. And I'm like, <laughs> listen, it, why don't you give it a chance and if you don't like it, I'll make you something else. Mm-hmm. And so he ended up ordering it. And then I got like to the point where like, what if he doesn't like it? Like people are going to get like itchy about telling like, I don't like this. Can I have something else? So we sent him out something else on top of it. Mm. Like, hey, this pasta is from the kitchen. If you don't like it, enjoy that. Yeah. Or something new and funky. Like they're not going to order it because they're uncomfortable with it. Right. Send them out like a little bit of one. Like yeah. if the server comes back and says, oh, they were really thinking about this, but they just were a little scared. So they ended up with this. And again, that's the server's job to tell us. Yeah. So, oh, here, try this. Even if it's like a little bite, then right. maybe next time they can maybe able to order that, and you start to train people and teach them. And, yeah, and it comes down to hospitality and, and making sure people have the experience that you want them to have, whether they want it or not. Yeah, it's mm. interesting. All right, well, Noah, you've said it all. Hey, thanks, buddy. <laughs> I had a good time. Yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having man. me. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody, get out to Amano and uh, go check them out. I'll be there. Thanks, man. Thanks, appreciate it, buddy. Well, there it is, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Local New York podcast. If you haven't, make sure you follow us on Spotify or whatever platform you're listening to this on. And you can also visit us online at eatlocalnewyork.com. 
where you can connect with us, find old episodes of the podcast, find some blogs and recipes, and even purchase your Eat Local New York card, which will help you save $5 at over 150 restaurants all across the state. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. We're going to catch you back here next week on the Eat Local New York podcast. Thank you.